Welcome to Have You Got Your Shit Together with me, Caitlin Orion, and the podcast that celebrates not having your shit together. On today's episode, we have Layla Josephine. Layla is an incredible artist from Glasgow. She is a performance poet, a theatre maker, a screenwriter, a facilitator, and a project leader. In 2014, she won her first UK National Slam at the Royal Albert Hall and has gone on to perform on the same bill as poets such as Kay Tempest, Holly McNish, Loki, as well as having supported the legend that is John Cooper Clarke on his Scottish tour. She's also created two award-winning shows, Hopeless and Daddy Drag, which she performed at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is where we recorded this episode. We found a room tucked away at the Fringe's Summer Hall venue. It was a joy to chat to her. Here's Layla. Hey. Hi. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat. No um, I love a podcast. Do you? What are your favourite podcasts? I just love chatting. I like when I'm listening to a podcast, I find it hard to concentrate on what they're saying because I'm thinking about what I would really? say. I like that. I find it impossible to like be in my house on my own now without mm. someone just talking in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it gets to a point where I don't even know what I think about things anymore. It's just like what podcasts tell me. Yeah, but you only gather the stuff that you want to remember like and agree with. There'll that be loads true. of stuff that you like just I passes you by. I think that's everything though. Like I'll read a book and I'll be like, this book is changing my life. And it'll be like one sentence that yeah. I will remember from that book. But yeah. Throw so, enough mud. Is that not what they say? Huh? Throw, the saying is throw enough mud and something, something will stick. stick. Yeah. You know. Poetry. And you decide what sticks, or your brain does anyway. <laughs> Hashtag poetry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on a scale of shit to together, yeah. how are you feeling today? Um, probably like a six okay. or a seven. How come? Uh, well, I left my fridge off for two days this week, which makes me think oh, that wow. maybe not got As in, like, you turned it off? No, like, so I'm living in this place that is not functional, and um, it's just, like, the kitchen is not functional. Like, we've got one drawer, which opens out onto the oven, and, like, so you can't even open it fully. That is... Yeah. And mad. then we were getting a new oven, and the landlord was like oh we'll, we're going to get you a new oven because this one's falling apart and I was like great maybe they'll move things around so like I can have a cutlery drawer no they just put a new oven in place so I still can't open the cutlery no. drawer but anyway you have to unplug the toaster if the washing machine's on to get the why because it'll like circuit it or something well there's, it's just like a, you, the fridge is literally just plugged into a plug mm-hmm. and there's only two plugs so if the washing machine's on and you want the toaster on you have to unplug the press. So I was like, oh, I'll plug it back in. But then I forgot. Oh my God. So that makes me feel like... <laughs> so like that, that, yeah, I feel like it, that was a disaster. Yeah, and you like wasted food. So, I, like, wasting food is like... Uh, I do it all the time and it's like the worst. It makes me feel like I'm such a bad yeah. human. I don't know about you, but like, I find it impossible to plan what I am eating in advance. And because my life is so chaotic, I end up like shopping on the go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my mum's so good at like looking at a week and being like... I'm going to have these meals and these are the ingredients that I need for it. But I will, like, buy per day and then I end up, like, wasting food and I feel so fucking bad about it. So bad, especially if it's, like... I don't eat meat, but if it's... See if it's fish. 
Like that is a life died for me. Uh, but I'm a rubbish cook as well, so like food is like a big thing that makes me feel like I don't have not, it together. Yeah, don't have it together for yeah. sure. Yeah. God. Yeah. What's your favourite thing to cook? Uh, no, don't ask me that. I'm literally going to say so stupid. Um, I love breakfast. So like I'll make like quite fancy breakfast. Breakfast for dinner. That's yeah, I'll have breakfast for dinner quite regularly. Like that is, I can do like a good like egg wrap with like. Oh. Yeah, there's this stuff called uh, rayu, and it's like a peanut and sesame sauce that I use. Oh, wow. But that's like not. That's even quite cooking. bougie. Yeah, no, it is bougie. I didn't say I wasn't bougie. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't bougie like I can buy bougie then but can't fucking cook uh, but yeah like if I was going to like have something that's like total comfort yeah. like pasta pesto and cheese and like I used, see when I had like my own kitchen in my own house and I was just like way more comfortable where I was living like I would make pesto I would make hummus like I would do all that kind of stuff but now I'm just like you sound like a it. fucking connoisseur of like do it chefery yeah I'm fucking not honestly I don't think I've I'm made gonna... pesto once in my life it's so easy is it yeah but also like the way that I'm talking right now make, makes it seem like I've done it in the last three years and I haven't <laughs> when I when I was in Glasgow everyone was like I think I was there in spring and everyone was like you have to make wild garlic pesto oh fuck because like there's just wild garlic yeah, like yeah. everywhere and everyone was obsessed with it see garlic and onion make me really bloated Do like they? yeah I've got an intolerance to them especially if they're raw wow. and I made I can't remember what we made it I think it was a pesto with loads of wild garlic and I ballooned Died. yeah like I was like so ill I had to go to bed and it was just like proper hard belly so actually wild garlic seemed to be like poisonous maybe you're a vampire <laughs> maybe, maybe that's, that's why, why the poetry's not working out yeah. is that it's not my destiny yeah, yeah. Um, but also like uh, yeah garlic and onion I try and avoid which people like if our people are like foodies they're like <gasps> yeah and I'm like well it makes me sick yeah, so that is fair yeah. it's the flavour that some bland meals you're having yeah I eat a lot of bland food yeah but when you're such a spicy character it's okay <laughs> bland food smooth very nice yeah um, how are you finding the fringe then? Because have you been here since the beginning? No, so I'm in Glasgow right. um, and I'm like commuting. Oh my um, god. I guess that would make you feel a bit all over the place as well. Yeah, but also like I'm not in Edinburgh the whole time, so like right, I okay. go back to reality, which is quite nice. And I'm not here every day, so um, I mean, I've done two fringe shows. So I did one in 2017, um, quite close to where you did. I did it with the space as well. Okay. And then I did another one in 2019 here at Summerhall. It's a very trendy, trendy... Yeah, she went up in the world. Yeah, I got funding, I got an award, like, all that kind of stuff. And it was great, but it was still, like... I mean, you're doing it right now, like, it's, it's really hard. It's exhausting. It's a weird thing, because you, you have to get yourself, like, kind of energised up mm. for it. And then it's the come down afterwards. Yeah, like, yeah you're having the come down right now. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. My, my friend was just saying that it's, like, I think what actors expend on a show is, like, the same as people running a marathon. Yeah, maybe. I don't know how true that is, but... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, short, I short depends marathon. on what show, I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, like, so I've done that full fringe. Yeah. And after I did Daddy Drag here, I made myself really sick. So I was, like, doing something super personal. I made a show about my dad. Um, and my mum narrated it. And it was, like, a drag oh show. And I pretended to be my dad, yeah. And then um, it was really good... It did well but like I just I had to drink loads of tenants during it I had to I didn't <laughs> actually have to I just wrote that in it um, and then I was like going out drinking afterwards yeah. and I just like and that's when all my stomach stuff this is when I started getting like loads of intolerances oh and just like 
not that well and mentally and physically was just like unwell and I think the other thing that happens at the fringe is that you're never even no matter where your expectations are you never quite reach them I think and it made me in this constant constant state of wanting more and like being grabby and needy and I actually think that's really bad for your mental health and you're you're actually forced to compare yourself all of the time because people are comparing you and I think that for me I mean maybe I could do it again in the future with a slightly different support system and maybe I'm at a really different place as an artist now I mean Covid changed things for everyone but I do think that you need to be in a really steady place for it not to affect you um, I think as well doing if you're, solo work yeah and if you're sure. doing something really personal that you've written mm-hmm. as well it's very hard to separate the kind of work aspect from it and not taking people's opinions as like a personal attack yeah mm. or like approval of the thing that you, like your baby essentially no it's yeah. really fucking hard to make not even your baby but like it's almost like you know people would be reviewing my ideas of my dad which and is like crazy yeah, yeah yeah but then like i'm like well also why did like that you asked for it you know yeah. like i'm not a victim in it like i i decided to do it i decided that i knew what the cost was and yeah. went for it and i think i've definitely been thinking a lot about what the cost is of me like because my poetry is really autobiographical and i've been thinking a lot actually after seeing lana do rate glass of as well i was Queen. thinking a lot about like what the cost is for us to share our personal lives and our art and like we all feel like uh, we all feel like the audience deserve it all the time yeah. and deserve for us to be worn out and to suffer and 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 I don't have all the answers but I am thinking about that like what's the cost and like this fringe my priority is like making a platform for other people which is really nice mm. because I somebody said to me not that long ago which was a real trigger they were like it's not about thinking less of yourself it's about thinking of yourself less and I was like that's yeah it's so good. good and I was like oh I really needed to hear that like I really because I think as artists you know the the place that we're in we do get so obsessed with but well, we're, we're, we're artists in the capitalist, the capitalist yeah. structure right so we're always thinking about how we can get more how we can go up a level how we can you know and I think that that gets mixed up with like developing your craft like those yeah. two things like I think to develop your craft you actually do have to get away from this idea of needing more validation it's also like that thing of like when when your passion or the thing that is your escapism I mean I've talked about it quite a lot on this but when people start to say that you're good at it and you're like well maybe I can like start to make a living Mm. off of this and that kind of cross-section of exactly what you're saying like the capitalism coming into the thing that is just your escape or natural talent yeah. yeah and I think it's just a fine line between you know earning money as well mm. um, but I think yeah I think that artists don't spend enough time continuing to learn and to con- continuing to like work on their practice yeah. and I think like when I, anyone ever comes to me with like oh things aren't happening for me like I just don't like if like I feel like nothing's happening I'm like see if you start developing you start doing the work things do start happening like if you 
sit down every day to write, the ideas come. It's like when you're waiting for lightning to strike, it never comes. There's a John Cooper Clark quote because um, I think someone asked him when he wrote "I Want to Be Yours," mm. like how, like what was the inspiration for it? And he said, "Inspiration is for amateurs." Yeah, it was like it was a really fucking hard poem, yeah. and I sat down every day and I decided that I wanted to write it. And it's like not about anyone in particular; it's just a love poem. Yeah, that I, that's kind of stayed with me because I think sometimes I can be like that and be like, I, I need my heart broken or something so I can start writing. Oh, no. Um, Never wish that. No, I know. <laughs> God, it's happened too many times. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. John said a really interesting... I was on tour with him mm. and he did a Scottish uh, leg of his tour and I supported him and I got to... I didn't get to know him because he's obviously such a mythical creature even <laughs> when you meet him. Um, but one of the things... Well, on the first night when I was trying to work him out, we were, like, having a cigarette outside and he was like... What was it he said? He was like you know, writing is a sickness. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And he was like, well, you always live twice when you're a writer. So you always live in the moment and then you always, you go over the pain again. And then he said, and it's worse than heroin. It destroys your life more than heroin because you're in the moment, but you're thinking about how to write it. Yeah, yeah. And you're you're thinking about how to capture it. And I really do agree with him because sometimes if I write about something, the memory goes and the poem replaces the memory. Oh my God. And I think that's so sad. Really? It's kind of magical, but it's also sad. Yeah. It's a destruction and it's a creation. It's a destruction of the past. It's a destruction of the complexity of the past. Yeah. Because you can never capture it. And then it's only ever your point of view, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's never fully the truth. Yeah. Uh, And then it's a creation of something else. So it it becomes a new thing in the world. So it has a new job, whether that's like connecting someone to it or, Mm. you know, inspiring something else. But a poem is always a destruction of the truth. For sure. Someone that I was talking to the other day just about memories was saying that your memory, every time you say a memory, the retelling of it becomes another version of the memory that you just told. And, you, and your so actual like, memory yeah, disappears. Yeah, it's mad, that. isn't it? And that's why we're so untrustworthy as yeah. like people. And that's why like sometimes when I think about people that aren't in my life anymore, I get really sad and I try not to remember them because I'm like oh I've only got so many memories before that memory isn't actually oh, wow. the truth anymore yeah ow ow ow, ow. god <laughs> okay and so. it's not even three o'clock yet. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so what does having your shit together mean to you then mm. I was thinking about this obviously because and I was thinking about how like for me at this time in my life like I definitely feel like I don't have my shit together like there's loads of reasons why life has been really difficult and you know personal stuff has happened like my mum is really sick at the moment and I've just broken up from a relationship Um, so it doesn't feel like I've got my shit together at all sometimes I think there has to be a breaking for you to put yourself back together in a better way and I think that even though there's loads of things about my life like I'm not fucking cleaning my car and I'm also (laughs) like the fridge is broken yeah the fridge and like where I live and my romantic life's a mess like all of that there are things that I am putting in place now that are like so like good decisions for Layla like Mm -hmm. adult (laughs) fucking decisions and one day maybe I will clean my car but maybe I won't it's not priority right now (laughs) I know exactly you need to like learn how to prioritize I think that 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 was something my mum always says she said you know if you imagine life is like a jar and your time is like a jar 
and you have all these big pebbles which are your big responsibilities and you have all these small pebbles that are your little responsibilities mm. you've got to put the big ones in and the little ones in if you put the little ones in the big ones won't go in so <laughs> what the big ones look like for me is like okay well I always have to have time to write I yeah. always have to sleep I always have to make sure that I have time with my friends I always have to make sure that I'm exercising. Those are my big stones. Like foundational. first, yeah. And then everything else comes in afterwards. So, and I think like, it's like a balance, right? Because I stopped drinking this year. So that's a really good decision. Mm. Um, but I don't want to do it so far. So I'm still going out clubbing. So I'm still knackered. But like, <laughs> I've not got the hangover. So yeah. it's like, how do you like make, I heard this the other day on the Glenn and Doyle podcast. She was like, how can you do something that's good for the sovereignty? Like if you're if if you're um, sovereign, what? Yeah. How do you use that word? Like sovereign is in like the queen. Yeah, like it, like you are the queen of your life, and nice. it's good for like. Yeah. Oh no, that's what she said. For the bit for the good of the realm. So like yeah. the whole idea is that if you look after yourself, if you treat yourself like everything. a queen, actually everything else will fall into place. Yeah. So like you're like well I you know I really do like garlic and onions, but for the good <laughs> of the realm. I'm not going to have them. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like, just like finding those little things. About, and I think like, I mean, I, you know, not punishing yourself either. It's like, okay, I spent an hour on reels today. That is not the best decision. Yeah. But like, does that mean that I am going into a shame spiral, which means I'll watch them for another two hours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or are you allowed to go, okay, that was stupid. Let's move on. And I'm a human. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's go eat ice cream for breakfast whatever you know <laughs> I love that that's a really nice imagery mm. kind of it reminds me of oh, sorry I feel like I didn't answer your question at all there I think you did okay. as in like what does having your shit together means to mm. you is like having the pebbles like the foundational things in place mm. yeah it reminds mm. me I've definitely spoken about this before but there's like a pyramid of needs yeah um, Maslow yeah yeah, yeah yeah and how you need the small things in place like good sleep and good mm. like going to the gym or something like that and then you can start to think about the things at the top which is a bit more like art self up <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly creativity yeah. Um, do you find when those things aren't in place like is right in one of the first things that kind of goes out the window for you mm, I think it changes I think that I can quite easily spiral out of control. Like, I'm neurodivergent, which means that things can get very, like, hectic very quickly. And I think that that's also to do with my job. Um, And also my... Like, one of the things I think that, you know, I am trying to work on is that I find it very hard to regulate my emotions. Like, I I can become very sad very fast or very, very happy very fast. And um, I kind of, up until this year, have let myself, like, really follow those emotions and indulge in them sometimes. And I'm... I mean, this is not a problem that most people have. Most people, like, don't know how they feel. Like, I've been feeling so much my whole life. Mm. Um, And I think writing has been really interesting because writing has got me through so much. Like, journaling, like, I've been writing for years. And then this year, I decided to see what it would feel like not to write a journal every morning. Oh, my God. And actually, it has been really good for me. Because it's not, you've not been sitting in your feelings as much. I've not been sitting in my feelings as much. And I think, like, that's something that I've really noticed. And this is only my experience. Everyone's so different. But, you know, I think I could get so caught up with my emotions that thinking that they're my identity rather than that they're fleeting moments. And I think because this year has been so difficult and so... um, 
so upsetting at points that actually the journaling was just allowing me to give so much yeah. space to this really and every morning you know every yeah, morning which is yeah and actually so I still write like and I'm writing more but I'm like going into these stories yeah. and like and I'm you know writing I'm working on like a feature film at the moment and stuff like that and actually I still get so much joy and dopamine yeah. hits from the writing yeah. I just don't always have to be writing about myself so processing yeah. it yeah, and I also, what's really interesting is I, so I've been in therapy for on and off for mm. years, like, I've been the biggest promoter of it, like, <laughs> being like, I think I should go to therapy, um, but I think I've out-therapized, like, therapized? Therapi- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I You've feel like I've, I've completed it, <laughs> No, I'm joking, I still think I'm so fucked up in <laughs> but I do think that, like, um, what's been really useful for me this year is to be like, okay, how do we do like yeah. how do we how do we action getting better so like like oh my god I found like a Pilates class like I hate sport yeah, I hate yeah. exercise that's been really good for me I went to like a somatic masseuse who like literally just like channels energy in your body and like stunning I <laughs> like feel like I, like I'm not in fight or flight as much yeah, anymore yeah. And also, I'm just not as heady. Yeah, getting out of the cerebral and into your body a bit more. And again, it's going back to the thing about, like, it's not about thinking about your, less of yourself. It's about thinking about yourself less. That's like, so capitalism makes us want to always be like, yeah. me, 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 me. And sometimes, actually, it's really useful for us not to think about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, and how do how can you be looking? Because this is this is a thing that doesn't make sense in my head. It's like how, like how it's such a strong juxtaposition. But like, how is it that looking outward rather than inward is better for my inward? Do you know what I mean? It's crazy that so much of what you've said has just resonated with me. Like, firstly, I remember. I think I I think I'm quite similar in terms of I feel a lot. And at first I thought that was really normal and I thought everyone felt as much as I did. Mm. And I had this like heartbreak that I literally just could not shake uh, like a few years ago. And um, my friend Sammy said to me like, you know, everyone just doesn't feel things as deeply as you. And I was like, <laughs> it was like this life, but I remember we were sat on a beach in Wales and she said it to me and I was like looking out at the vista. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what? And she was like, people just don't feel things as deeply as you. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not to say that it's a bad thing, but I think some people are just more able to be like, okay, and not, like, going round, round, round yeah. in your head and trying to understand. I think when you're an empathetic person, I think you're you're feeling what you are feeling, but you're also feeling what the other person is feeling, mm. and then there's just, like, so much emotions. And you're trying to analyse it as well. Completely, and yeah. trying to get an understanding of it. And I think from that moment, I also realised that I was... Because I was, like, journaling and stuff, and I was, I was trying to... I was trying to, like, get over my heartbreak by, like, writing it down and stuff like that. Actually, I had that realisation of, like, I'm sitting in it more. Mm. And actually, like... And I'm, like, reading all the books about it. And I'm, like, trying to understand it on, like, a psychological level. And actually, I just need to, like, put those away now and just live my life and allow myself to move on now. Yeah. And it was so strange because, like, everything kind of tells you that you should process it and process it and process it. And actually coming to realise that part of the processing is letting go of it almost. Um. And then a final thing that you made me think of is that in terms of, like, therapy and stuff, um, there's this th- thing that people say, I think, I think it's therapists, is that, you know, you can see 
the improvement of like a client going to therapy for like the first X amount of months or something. And then actually it's proven that if it goes on for too long, it, the improvement starts to go down because that person then starts to rely mm. on the therapist in a way. Yeah. So yeah. that it's almost that like processing and letting go thing again. Yeah. Um, Cause I've, yeah, I definitely have that. I think if I is talk about myself too much or something, I can end up in that kind of, and I think as artists, in it. Yeah. It, like, that's what we're encouraged yeah. to do, right? We're always thinking about... We always see the world through our lens, especially mm. women as well. I think that we yeah. really do try and make work based on our, our experiences. So I think that that's almost like our superpower. Well, I feel like that's my superpower yeah. anyway, to be able to pick up on these emotions. I think it has been pulling me back from the doing. So I'm, I'm really trying to do more more doing more outward mm-hmm. stuff than inward stuff yeah. at the moment and that doesn't mean like not looking after myself or doesn't mean like you know if I get upset one day not to let that happen but I suppose it's about it's about witnessing it as something that happens that is not tied to your identity yeah. you know it's not your emotions aren't you they're just passing they're like a cloud it's like a little storm and they're as unreliable as like memories totally I know it's so sad Um, and you know that was one of the things I think you know I had a very similar thing um, where I was like I was like talking to my friend about my ex and I was like I just don't want to think about him because I just don't want to like lose the thought of being with him in my head and she was like you think too much typical Capricorn she was like you just think too much and I was like I do <laughs> I was like oh I'll just stop fucking bringing the star thinking. side into it as well how dare you yeah I know I was like just fucking stop thinking about it um, and makes like, it sound so simple doesn't it yeah. No, yeah but also it's like okay well you know I feel really sad right now am I going to put on like some really sad music or am I going to put on something that makes me feel class yeah. and like even today I was like oh I feel a wee bit like like because I have my period I was a bit like oh I feel a bit sad today I was like I'm gonna go out and get some fucking chocolate I'm gonna go get some chocolate banana bread and a coffee look after that realm and I just look after that realm and I walked down the street and a man literally just smiled at me and I was like I feel like like, let's all gentlemen say good morning to me and I was like I'm happy again and it's like sometimes it's like it's okay to numb you know and 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 I think since I gave up alcohol, and I'm not saying I won't ever drink again, and this podcast will hold me to it, but like, <laughs> um, I gave up in January um, that I, you know, I can't numb with alcohol and partying anymore. So it's like, well, how do I numb? Yeah. You know, how do I healthily numb? Yeah. Listen to a lot of pop music, listen to a lot of Hollywood celebrity podcasts, you know, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. That That is the thing. Uh-huh. Or, like, I stay in work till 10 o'clock working on a project, mm. you know. Like, those are yeah. numbing things that it's okay to numb, you know. Mm. Or distract, maybe numbing is not the right word. Yeah. Cool. So, I asked you to think of an object that makes you feel like you've got your shit together. Yeah. What, what is it? So, I had two answers for uh-huh. this. So, um, my first answer is I just got a new laptop. Okay. And it's clean. <laughs> So I had this laptop since like 2015 wow. and it was like full of my dinner, like dinner over the years. <laughs> and I work in this office with all these graphic designers uh-huh. and they're so neat and tidy, like you should see their desks. Yeah. And everything is just like pristine and I was coming in with this old rickety <laughs> laptop that I had no images or no videos on but there was still no memory on oh it like gosh. shit like that yeah, so I've yeah. got this new laptop that I'm like oh, this Amazing. is what it's like that feels very grown up doesn't it very grown yeah, up yeah. Um, so that but I also I also was thinking like 
um, I have loads of colourful suits and they make me feel really like, like power suits yeah like yeah. so when I'm doing like no matter how I feel like if I've got an event I'll always like think of my outfit and always like Love really plan my outfit yeah, yeah. and that makes me feel like I've got my shit together oh my god what's your favourite suit that you've got I've got an orange suit with red pinstripes wow and like every time I wear it people are like wow and I'm like it's my colour <laughs> I snuck into a Netflix party after the oh bathtubs through the kitchen because of that well I think they just didn't realise not- I didn't get in with the suit because I tried to get in through the front door and they said no <laughs> but the suit gave me the confidence yeah. to stride through that kitchen yeah. and when a staff member went why in the kitchen I went I'm just looking for the bathroom <laughs> And in that suit, no one asked. And then in that suit, no one asked. But I was honestly too drunk to talk to anyone. But it it was, yeah, I was, um, yeah, that suit has got me places for sure. I I love it. I love a suit. Yeah. There's something so powerful about it. So powerful about it. And what I love about it is you only have to think about the suit. You don't have to match anything. Yeah. Like you've got the suit on. Yeah. The shoes, bag, yeah. Yeah. Like, whereas when you're like, jeans and a top you're like well what jeans goes with what top but with that you're like it's sorted yeah you know stunning and that. also when people see you in a suit they go oh my god that they person's wearing a suit yeah like boss bitch vibes exactly yeah. you look like a box who doesn't trust the box <laughs> I love a square is the Make most reliable shape in my opinion <laughs> Make me want to buy a suit oh my god everyone should buy yeah. suits and honestly like the uh, the 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 realm responds well <laughs> <laughs> the suits are for the good of the realm <laughs> and colour it's all about colour yeah, orange, should wear orange is like very on point at the moment mm. your nails are orange now I liked okay. orange before ever okay. I liked orange before okay. I actually invented <laughs> orange and I think it's really it didn't everyone. exist before the suit exactly yeah <laughs> time in your life where you felt like you really had your shit together <sighs> time in my life I really felt like I had my shit together do you know what I don't ever feel like I feel like got my shit together in general because I do feel like I have a very unusual brain and way of being in a world that will never support mm-hmm. that fully like in a system that will never support that fully so a lot of the time I feel like I am a square in my suit fitting into a circle. Do you know what yes, I mean? And like I actually never will fully become um, what is expected of me yeah, yeah. from that. It's being an artist as well. But I do feel like every time I teach... Like, cause I I do a lot of teaching on the side. Oh, really? Yeah, I and well, not on the side. It's part of my practice. Yeah. You know, I teach a lot of poetry and creative writing, and I feel like I am able to hold space in a way that I really love, and I'm able to create environments where people feel like they can be creative and they can fail and ask me questions. And I think when I hold a space like that, I feel totally in control. And totally like I am, I don't want to say like doing God's work because it doesn't really feel like that. But I'm like, I'm in tune to something. I'm I'm aligned with myself. And I think that providing space for people to be creative is like one of the things that I was like, you know, born to do, if that makes sense. Um, And that's why I really love it. And I think that that, 
responsibility I take very very seriously mm-hmm. which means I always have my shit together because I take it so seriously that's really cool people's creativity is very um, very vulnerable and it's very delicate and you have to be really cautious with it for mm-hmm. sure that's lovely mm-hmm. when, when did you first start writing though? so I started writing when I was like in third year of uni I mean I always wrote diaries and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. and like this boy doesn't like me this girl doesn't <laughs> like me um, but then when my dad died when I was in third year of uni I, I started writing um, and that was kind of where it all began wow. and then you know the poems somebody told me they were po- poems and I was like really? like I don't understand um, <laughs> sure and then I went down and did a gig at Indeep which is a, a a night that an open mind night that's still I think running. I've been to that. Have you? Yeah, is it in like the arches? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So that's been running for like I think it's their eleventh year this year. Wow. So yeah, I started there and I would do that every Tuesday and then it just kind of grew arms and legs. And then the the year that I started, I won a slam at the Royal Albert Hall and that just like oh my God. Yeah, kicked everything off. Yeah. So that was what I was doing for years and then did theatre shows, then started developing mm. film and you know, but the the poetry has always been a kind of way for me to access loads of different other realms. Like it always felt like a doorway, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Um, and I think people always say, you know, like poetry is so different from film. Like how do you jump mm. from one to the other? It's so different from theatre. And actually what poetry is really good at, I think, is that you're always editing. You're always cutting down. You're not being yeah. precious and also you're trying to always get to the core meaning and the core yeah, yeah. and the in the shortest way most of the time but how you can deliver Most your message way, yeah, yeah. yeah and you think about structure a lot and you think about the journey of the reader and I think that poetry is really just this like really diluted no not diluted what's the opposite concentrated, concentrated yeah. exactly version of all other art forms yeah. if that makes sense so how because it sounds like you just naturally had capacity for writing mm. how do you then teach it because mm. that's always something that I've, when people have asked me like how yeah. I, I don't know how to put into words it's just something that yeah so for me it's like not so much teaching it's more like because I believe that everyone has a writer yeah. inside of them everyone like everyone can talk right yeah. so actually everyone well not everyone can talk but you know yeah, yeah. if you if you can express yourself or if you have a thought in Mm. some way it's all about just finding a way of communicating Mm -hmm. that thought so for me it's always about like looking at the group of people that I've got so whoever that is whether that's in a school or in a prison or in a school with disabled children or Mm. if it's young mothers or if it's uni students or if it's you know business people whoever it is it's like, okay, well, what is, what is this context and who are these people and how do I create an environment where people feel confident enough to try and to fail? Mm. And, and I think that that's the thing that I always do. I always, like, make the stakes really low. Yeah. So we talk about, you know, write about your favourite food, write about your favourite view, write about a time you felt free, write about an embarrassing that, thing that happened at school. You know, like, all of these things that are just, like, conversational, mm. get them to you know writing is a muscle that you need to practice so getting people like like feeling familiar with um just like writing something that's not like that poetic that's always the starting point um and I think like I'll always think about the context as well like what did these specific people need or like you know when I'm having a connection with a child I'm like oh this person needs 
you know, a little extra support, a little more eye contact. They need maybe nudged in a certain direction and, or they need, it, they need it to be a bit competitive or like whatever yeah. it is. And it's just like really listening to the group. So we play a lot of games um, and it depends. Like sometimes I just go in for one taster session. So, you know, it'll all be about failure mostly and, and, and asking them to respond to like quite open questions um, and getting them to just write as much as possible. Um, and you know if they're not if they, they can't write then you know it's really good to have like people in the room that can write for them or we or sometimes people don't want to write so I just have a conversation with them and that is enough yeah, yeah. Um, I mean I, wor- I was talking about working with people that were, were non-verbal and like that looked really different again yeah. and and, you, and then you have to say okay well you know how do we write a poem with our bodies how do we express ourselves because poetry is really just about communicating an mm. idea right and it's like well then can't everything be poetry and loads of people would argue with me over that loads of people that have spent seven years at university (laughs) studying academic poetry would disagree with me but I do think that um, in order for us to be accessible we have to take into consideration that there's no such thing as bad poetry Mm. and there's no such thing as poetry can't live within a really stagnant page it has yeah, to be able yeah. to live everywhere and I think that's what people and you'll get it all the time as well people are like what's the difference between spoken word and page poetry and you're like who gives a fuck I know. like literally yeah, yeah. who gives a fuck <laughs> isn't it just a miracle that any of us are making anything <laughs> isn't it just a miracle that any of us are able to be in the same mm. room with eye contact and like yeah. talking about big themes and I just yeah sorry ran over what did you no. ask me again like, no about how, how you how you teach yeah yeah create a space to yeah. allow other people I guess to find their voice I and guess is what you're saying yeah people know it right yeah. people know it and I think it's about you know it's a kind of about dis- dis- destroying previous concepts mm. of what poetry is as well within especially with young people who have you know set ideas from school or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and then don't feel like it's for them yeah. and to, to, to kind of inspire them and that's why I'll always do a poem at the start as well to like expose them yeah, and yeah. kind of win them over like um, which is sometimes the most terrifying thing in the yeah. world. like honestly like put me in a prison like any day like going in front of third years at high school is like <laughs> the fucking worst thing ever it's oh terrifying oh. hell oh. hell I remember doing um, we did a schools tour at drama school and we were doing um, Oliver Twist yeah. in animal studies okay. and in we animal were, studies oh yeah I don't want to talk what about what the fuck is animal studies <laughs> oh, so like, like act for acting uh, like you, you study an animal and you bring it to a character okay and we were doing Oliver Twist and I was playing Nancy as a horse and literally, the lights went dark, and we were in a room of like these year nines. And as soon what as the age is year went, nine? Like 14. Yeah, 13, is, 14. That, that is the, the age. Stage. Yeah. And the lights went dark, and we were just about to begin. And before we even started, someone went, This is shit. <gasps> and I was like, oh. About to bear my soul for you, actually. Oh. But yeah, hell, hell. Honestly, that hell. year, like, like every. And it, I always get them as well because. It's a really specific thing in Scottish schools where the third years don't have much to do, so they're, it's kind of before they set their their exams as yeah. well. And they've all just come back from summer and they all have like longer lessons. Yeah, they're all just like <laughs> so self conscious. They just want and honestly, like performing in front of them is like hell. A time in your life where you felt like you didn't have your shit together. Like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like literally all the time. I don't feel like I ever have really got my shit together like as I said like I don't feel like 
I particularly the way that my brain works or the way that my personality works makes mm. me very good at fitting into society. Like I think I've been thinking a lot about how like queerness, creativity and neurodiversity, how those three things are very similar, the way that they interact with the world. Like they're the people that have those those things or are part of them you know they are learned to be very fluid and flexible within this very like metal structure of yeah. like like this kind of um capitalist structure and we're just trying to like merge into it almost all yeah. of the time and I think that that's like for me something that I've has for a very long time made me feel very sad yeah. that I, I can't fit in or like I'm not normal in quotations and and like you know a lot of my friends I I am jealous of their very regular yeah. um, lives um, but my life has been very chaotic since I was a child you know mm. with my parents and also with my schooling and with like trauma and like things have never I've never had a very easy nine to five life yeah. if that makes sense and I mean nine to five is in like a structured yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think I do benefit from structure but I don't think I will ever fully be able to engage with that you know in a way and and I think it's about like grieving that but also being like okay well that makes you know life have a different shimmer to it you know there's a sparkle that is present in my life that or is present on some days that people will never see in their whole life and that has to be worth you know not having your shit together in terms of this capitalist I keep saying capitalist I don't know what I mean I know I know what you mean like it's like the society in which we live in which is built on a capitalistic structure mm. of working five days a week and like having kids yeah and yeah married. yeah and I think that being like coming to terms being bisexual as well like you know I will always be in a relationship that will feel like like not like I'm fully engaging my whole self yeah. in um, whether I'm in like an a poly relationship yeah, but yeah, I have to yeah. which I don't really ever see for myself but yeah. you know like I always or or for example like school or work you know mm. uh, like I'm very dyslexic so school was never never worked for me yeah. you know um, because I could never learn in that way you know um, so I think that I don't know what I'm trying to say I've lost my train of thought well you're just saying that then therefore being in a society which kind of expects a certain thing yeah. of you can be really fucking difficult yeah really difficult and I think that that's the thing like I don't think I always cope that well and I think that I always try and I think I'm breaking out of it now but there was you know I had expectations for myself to be able to fit in and have my shit together that I think I need to get rid of it's reminded me of um I'm gonna absolutely butcher this but obviously Sinead O'Connor has like recently passed away and like some quotes that were coming out that she said or someone that she quoted which was basically like you know it doesn't make you well to fit into a sick society or something like that I don't know she definitely didn't say that but along those lines of like I think it's yeah something that I think about a lot and how we're all kind of forced to and you know some people benefit from it but I think a lot of people don't and it's a strange thing to 
but I think feel on the outskirts of it totally and I think I think the key is is that it's like that doesn't mean that just because you don't fit in mm. doesn't mean that you shouldn't be making healthy decisions for yourself. Or that there's not a place for you as well. Yeah, like, and I think that that's when it comes back to shame about yeah, how you yeah. feel about it. Because I know when I'm feeling shameful about not having my life together, mm. that's when it becomes toxic. Or when I am celebrating that I, in quotations, don't have my life together. Like, yeah. for example, on Sunday night, we did a show together mm-hmm. at the Yurt at Bistro Square and <laughs> at midnight at mid- it started at midnight and it ended at three and I didn't get home so I dropped two people off back to Glasgow till five in the morning oh my so I didn't wake up until half eleven and then I ordered delivery to my bed oh my and ate sushi in my bed uh-huh. and like is that a normal on a Monday is that a normal have you got your shit together thing <laughs> it, for an adult no but is What's, it for the good of the realm? Is it for the good of the realm? Is for the good of the year. People yeah. had a fucking great time in that yeah, year. Yeah, that year and it was, was like, it was it was a really special night yeah, where people got to see things that they wouldn't mm. see. People were like, poetry, I've never seen poetry like that. And you're like, that's fucking good for the realm. And do you know what else is good for this realm? That I'm not getting up at fucking eight o'clock yeah. to go to writer's group and then to go to Pilates and stuff because yeah. I need to sleep and I need to eat sushi yeah. and I need to rest. And yeah. it's like, we again thinking about what the cost is like mm. and not being like I've, like I think that's the other thing is like not being a like not thinking about yourself as a victim all the time yeah. so like being like oh like I've just stayed in my bed all day I'm like the worst person yeah. in the world it's like no you made that choice yeah, yeah. like level, level and also that. sometimes it's making decisions that like nourish your soul yeah. as opposed to like things that you ought to do because yeah, exactly. you feel like it's the right decision. Yeah. Again, it's like, it's like how can you make the healthy decisions for yourself, yeah. but also you're not making it because it's expected of you. Yeah. You know, it's because you are in touch with the good of what's good for the realm, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> that is I've totally stolen that from Glenn and Doyle. Yeah, <laughs> by the way. Hey, aunt. Hey. You do a great job in editing this podcast, might I say. If people like the podcast, what do they need to do? Like it. What else? Follow it on social media. And then what? They could share it with every single person they know. Thanks, Ant. You can go back to your corner now. Bye. Three things that make you feel like shit. Mm. Three things that make me feel like shit. Food waste. Okay, great. <laughs> Definitely. Um... Alcohol, right, for sure. And like me personally, like um, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Yeah, yeah. That grey area like, of nothingness. Yeah. And I think again, it's like you have to be like, okay, it's okay to numb. It's yeah. okay to be on your phone. They're highly addicted. It's mm-hmm. okay to be wanting that but also it's like but how do we make healthy decisions yeah and i haven't cracked that no. one yet i'm not sure anyone has there lately <sighs> i think when things are set up literally like your phones to be the most fucking addicted thing in the world i know and especially i don't know about you but like for me i have to use my phone for like work stuff yeah and like instagram is a great way to connect to people and stuff like yeah, that yeah. And therefore i'm like replying to someone and then just find myself on fucking reels or something and it's just like 
so enmeshed now. I know. I like. I have this dream of that. I just don't have it anymore. But I also need Google Maps because I don't <laughs> know how I would actually get anywhere in my life. But I do. Like I do see that in my future to mm. get rid of it. it. Going back to like the Nokia thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like I've been waiting to play. But then I would get addicted to snake. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's not it's a little choice. <laughs> yeah. But like I think like I also do see my life without it at the moment for mm-hmm. sure I would love to see that um, but I'm just trying not to be so hard on myself about yeah. it if that makes sense mm-hmm. I also to do with the food waste that's the I think that that's the one that I really would like to get better mm-hmm. at and I have to make more sensible decisions is because I'm quite bad at environmental stuff like mm-hmm. I need to I need to realise that like I've got a responsibility but I just I, see when I'm at that's probably the first thing to go like yeah. I'll just jump in the car rather than get public transport yeah. like if I'm in it I'll just put my coffee cup in the bin and then yeah. and, and it is like that thing where it's like we're taught to feel really guilty about yeah. it and I do feel really guilty about it and I, I think I can do better yeah. so I'm going to try yeah. and this podcast can hold me to <laughs> um, three things that make you feel like the shit like the shit the shit oh my god I've already talked about my power suit um Clothes are a big one. Uh-huh. Skincare is a big one. Stunning. What kind of what? What's your routine? Oh, I can't. I could not possibly go into it. It's so long, <laughs> which is so funny. <laughs> well, I feel like that South Korean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is so funny because one of my earlier poems. Uh-huh. What was it called? Oh, what the? Fu- it was. I think it was called skin. Yeah, it was called skincare, and it's me going on this rant about meeting this woman who's thirty two but looks seventeen, oh, and she talks me through God. her ten step routine, and I do this poem about how I think that's horrific, and I count out how many oh. hours she spends doing her her skin routine, and I think it worked out as like seven days a year that wow. you spend washing your face if you do 10 minutes every oh morning that, that, is, that is her caring for the fucking realm though yeah but now now I care now I'm getting older oh my god <laughs> I did the fucking exact same which is so funny which is actually the beauty of writing is that when yeah. you write it you really believe it and then it only takes a couple yeah. of wrinkles to make <laughs> <laughs> fucking score that shit out um <laughs> But yeah, like I like I do love my skincare, which is mm-hmm. hilarious because I feel like I almost like manifested me caring about my skin mm-hmm. by doing that poem yeah. so many times because I really if like that's the, okay, you can be a hypocrite. That's yeah, I'm not being a hypocrite. <laughs> I think we have to be better at saying that we're hypocrites <laughs> and we don't know things all the time <laughs> and we can change our mind about stuff yeah. as well. Uh, but it's, it's just quite funny because if anyone's heard that poem, they'll be like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, so, what was your question again? Three things that make you feel like the shit. Oh, performing. Performing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've, especially when you get those little bits in between your poems down and you like have practiced what you're saying and you just feel like totally in tune yeah. with it, that makes me feel like the shit. And like when you've got them just like in your in p- the palm, the palm yeah. of your hand. Yeah, yeah. And I also love when they like, they don't know what to expect of you and then you come in and you do something that totally shocks not even shocks them but just surprises them like that makes me feel fucking do you still get nervous I was nervous the other night yeah because do you know what that was just such a random night though I guess (laughs) so so late like and I guess you didn't know what kind of audience you were going to have or anything like that and we'd been running around flying around two Red Bulls and I don't actually have that much caffeine so (laughs) it's just like so off my face (laughs) Um, but yeah like if I I have realised that I don't get nervous when I warm up I need to warm up I need to go over my set I need to breathe I do my Wim Hof breathing (gasps) yeah I don't 
don't do any of the ice okay. stuff. He just has a, an 11 minute yeah, breath work thing. What's that involve? It's just like breathing and holding your breath in certain rhythms. It's so good. Oh my yeah. God, it's so good. I do it before bed. But like, um, I also read this book called Breathe by James Nestor. Okay. And it talks about how like, we all breathe through our mouths now which we shouldn't be doing we should be breathing through our noses oh, wow. and like it's such an interesting book but it talks about how you can cure like you can cure loads of like problems that you're having if and but me breathing properly I've changed the shape of my face like it is crazy like I look in the mirror and I look so different from what I looked like years ago because and that's not the skincare routine that it could the be the skincare routine <laughs> And the skin massage, and that I'm not drinking. But like, the, but that's me just listing all the things that make me like got my shit together. Um, no, but it's it's been so interesting, and I think like meditation has never been for me. I don't have the concentration, mm. but I think it's something to do it's with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mindful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's really, really good. I really recommend it, and it just it gets me out of that fight or flight mode. You know, it just really tunes me in. I do. It it's like for your nervous system, isn't it? It regulates exactly. your nervous system. Yeah. We heard about resetting your vagus nerve. Sorry, what? No. Yeah, right. Okay, so this is the other thing. Like we have the vagus nerve. Yeah. So there's right. I, I'm definitely going to butcher this. Right. <laughs> so you've got a vagus nerve, which is the biggest nerve circuit in your body, right? Uh-huh. And most of us are in fight or flight all of the time. Yeah, yeah. But there's like these little tiny moves that you can do that reset your nervous system. Oh, your vagus nerve. Uh-huh. So. It's things like, it's really specific. There's a really good um, YouTube channel called Human Garage and they show you how to do it. They're really simple moves, but one of them, which I try and do quite a lot, is that you sit or you lie, wherever you're comfortable, uh-huh. and you keep your head straight, but you move your eyes to the, the, the right, the furthest right that they can go, and you hold that for 30 seconds or more. If you do a minute, like it's better, but if you can only do 30 seconds, because it does start to get really sore. And then afterwards, just move your eye line round to your left hand side and do it again. And you'll feel yourself exhale or gulp and that'll show that you've reset and you've come back to a natural neutral state this is what makes me think that we are like fucking robots or something <laughs> <laughs> it's the reset button yeah 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 it's like we've all got it's the, the matrix oh my yeah. god but it's just these Crazy. really simple moves because the thing is is yeah, that yeah. we are constantly in a, in a state of stress yeah and i think that we you know if we run for the bus or we you know have a conversation with someone that triggers our ego in some way or whatever we're constantly just trying to pick that back or if we're having caffeine or sugar oh my god this sounds like a fucking health podcast (laughs) i just like to know i had an ice cream today at 10 a.m so (laughs) don't take my word for anything but it's like how do i think we need to learn how to rest and relax ourselves again because we're in this and especially with the phone because that's just giving you so much information Mm -hmm. all of the time that your brain is constantly moving and constantly lit up so I think we just need to find more stillness and more quiet and sometimes doing these moves just allows us to get back into our bodies Mm -hmm. Um, and that those things are like really like really good for me I think and also just like for example like today my neighbours are moving out this is so funny right so my neighbours are moving out and one of them they're a gay couple one of them is super positive and one of them is super negative and they're like whoever <laughs> you meet out. you'll just have a really <laughs> different experience with so anyway I met the super negative one today and they had the removal vans there and I was like oh you you know what you're excited you're moving it's so exciting and he was like I'm just so glad that I'm finally be able to 
going to write a note to all the neighbours about how none of them stack the bins properly. Oh and I was like, oh, like, you're away. You don't yeah. even have to worry about that. Like, you go live your country. I was like, go enjoy your life. You don't even have to think about it. And he's like, the flies. I just don't understand why people wouldn't move the bin and then walk around. And I was like, you do not have to worry about no. this anymore. You can, like, move on. But he was, like, shaking with oh anger. And I was just like, you are in a state wow. of fight, like, yeah. all of the time. Yeah, yeah. And I think not only is it good for you to recognise yourself when you're in a stage of fight or flight, but also it's, it's really, really important for you to shut yourself off from other people's energy yeah, as well. Yeah. And to actually, you know, not buy into yeah. other people's stories. Like... I had a neighbour call me, not this neighbour, another neighbour call me and tell me that I'd built a secret extension in my house behind his back. The extension had been there for the last 15 years. Oh he totally gosh. made it up in his head. Wow. But he was like screaming down the phone at me and I just like put the phone away from my ear towards yeah. the wall and he was just continuing to scream but I couldn't hear it. Yeah. And I was like, well, I need to do this more in life. Like actually, <laughs> like when people are like talking nonsense yeah. or getting themselves into a fuss, like... I don't need to take that yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. It's the same what we were talking about earlier about this, like choosing when to buy into emotions yeah. and choosing when to resist. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot in my life I would have been like, oh my God, this person's so annoyed at me. They're so angry. Like I like I feel like so... But actually it's like, oh, okay, I actually have a choice here to just yeah. say, I really don't give a yeah. fuck about the bins. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like, just like building that. I sometimes like, especially in networking things, I imagine this white shield going up in front of my face when you yeah. go to these, especially the fringe, you know. You have to have boundaries with it, I think, because if you take on that energy of other people, like their nerves or like their anxiety yeah. and stuff like that, it can be so draining. Totally. So that would be my third thing is yeah. like my white shield that I put up mm. for other people's energies so it doesn't come breathing and like yeah. shields. So I what did that. I say? Skincare, suits. Uh huh. White shields. Is that yeah, what I said? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking a lot of woo-woo. I, I hope love your it, listeners it. love a bit of woo-woo. Um, something that makes you lose your shit in mm. a positive and a negative mm. way. I think lose my shit in a good way. I love seeing art that surprises me. Okay. Stuff that really, like, I don't see coming. Because I think, you know, me and you, like, when we been working in this for a long time, yeah. you know, you see a lot of stuff that's quite rare that something comes along yeah, and yeah. blows you away. Um, so I love seeing stuff like that. I love losing my shit. I love losing my shit over some celebrity scandal. Like, see when a celebrity scandal comes out, I just like I love it. Like, yeah. I can't stop talking about it. Like, I, too. I don't have enough people in my life that love talking about it. Like, <laughs> most of my friends, like, they have no interest in it. But I have yes. a couple of friends on Instagram who, you know, like when the Ariana Grande stuff came out, I was like, we need to talk about this. Let's you know? get together. So like, voice noting it, oh like all gosh. the time. I just fucking love it. Like, I live for it, and it just feels really harmless when it's just like. I know these kind of make-believe people yeah. which is probably yeah. not kind but. I know I think I had that with them because I, I went through a breakup at the same time as the Holly and Phil scandal Ooh. and it was like the perfect escapism <laughs> until it got quite dark yeah it's quite and dark. then I was like oh god no I'm too invested yeah but sometimes when it's dark it's like even more engrossing right <laughs> do you follow Demois I love Demois <laughs> see if I wasn't actually around occasionally that makes around me feel nasty sometimes yeah though, but she's quite good she's quite good she's actually not so bad so she has limits like she's like why won't talk about something that's come up in a like stuff like that so she has limits like I think like Perez Hilton back in the day like (laughs) that's filthy nasty makes me feel grim yeah I mean 
I am around celebrities sometimes, so I don't like love. Like I wouldn't want people to know that. I love. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Taking notes. I wouldn't want you to that know. inform of a d- yeah, d- yeah. I'm like messing Dumas with my intel. I have no intel, but God, that's that's the only reason I'm trying to be successful so I can have some intel too related to more. Um, no, I uh, yeah. So that makes me lose my shit. So those two things. Um, and then in a negative way, have you said that? And a negative thing, I get really annoyed by migration stuff that really pisses me off like I think you know how everyone feels like they've got something that really like you know whether it's climate or politics whatever like whenever anyone anything comes up about migration I get so disheartened uh, even though it's obviously not a lived experience Um, but that is something that really like I find it very hard to I find it very hard to empathise with people that are so cruel. Yeah, and so and you take an issue with it as well. Yeah, yeah. and I, I just find it, like, all the stuff happening in the government at the moment about them trying to stop the boats, it's just like, it just feels so, or like the Rwanda stuff, it just feels so far away from, like, a human response. Yeah. Like, it just feels so cruel. Yeah. And I don't really have the words for it. And I just don't understand why we're not uh, out in the streets. I, I just don't understand it. Yeah. But I'm not out in the streets. I and I think... And I think this part is part of, like, our culture. It's just everyone's, like, empathetic about everything at the moment. Yeah. It's too... There's so much. Yeah. And, uh, like, technically, we should be up in arms about fucking everything. Yeah. And I think people are just tired. Yeah. And it's, that's not an excuse. It's just, like, a, an acknowledgement of... You know, I don't think people believe that we can make a change no I know I agree with that you know so so much within our politics has gone away that like I certainly didn't vote for you know and it's very disheartening and it makes it feel overwhelming totally yeah that's what my first show was about actually it's called hopeless and it was like it was kind of during it was 2016 and 17 that I made it so that was kind of like Trump era and also um kind of the big surge of like migration visibility yeah. like um and I worked in a refugee camp in Greece and it was just very much part of my I don't know I was, it, it just felt like it was more in the media and people were more people were talking about it and stuff and I was like thinking about it a lot and I was thinking about my family who are Irish and who would have been economic refugees which is very different well economic what you call migrants and yeah and just like how easily people forget like that actually that's where it is to you as well I can never get my head around it when like Priti Patel for example is like chief anti-immigration Suela and it's just like it, it just baffles me like how can you forget but then I see it in my family yeah. you know my family yeah. saying things about like I've got this cousin who you know is we're Irish descent came to Glasgow and she's slagging off refugees and then I'm like you live in America yeah. <laughs> like you like yeah. you're you you're allowed to move yeah. around freely why is that okay for you like yeah why it should be the right for everyone like to move around association with yeah yeah it's, it's wild but I think everyone should be allowed to move around freely and I think every, yeah, yeah I don't know but anyway maybe this is too sidebar for this I, I, I think Not it's so. hard and I think I was much more able to talk about things in the past in like 2017 I talked a lot about like migration 
and refugees and I felt like I was able to and now I'm not quite sure I would I don't think I would ever make the same show again because I am much more aware of like whose story is it to tell and like those are conversations that have really happened since then um but I still think it was a valuable piece of work um and it was all about trying to find hope when things felt really hopeless um and I still do feel hopeful that things will get better and I do hope that this is like the last stand before the new world. Yeah, it's like the purging of the shit. The purging. And the hardest part as well. And I am feeling really positive about AI. I'm hoping... Yeah, well, I've got this theory that I would love to be true. So I (laughs) would love that AI is going to be the end of people having to work. So I would love if AI could start doing more jobs Uh and that meant that everyone on the planet got a universal basic income they were all provided with you know a living allowance Mm -hmm. enough food good housing and then they had time to they could work if they wanted for extra money Uh if they wanted to or they could spend their life getting really good at whatever they really love to do, like painting. playing instruments, <laughs> painting, writing, yeah. getting good at golf, whatever those fucking CEOs need to do to chill the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> Not, you know, and how can they dick measure through something else other than <laughs> destroying the planet? You know, like, and I do think that, you know, maybe this is a real idealised view of the world, but, you know, if we can't use our... If we can't imagine yeah. it, it's never going to happen. So when people say, like, oh, you're... Like, you can't... It's never going to happen. It's too positive. And you're like, you've got to be able to yeah, imagine yeah. it. Because if not, things will and never get terrifying. better. And I think creativity has such an important role in everyone's life. I think people need to be creative because, one, it brings joy... Mm-hmm. It brings reflection, expression, empathy. It also, it's play. Mm -hmm. And I think play is something that we really don't do enough of. Something that makes us feel free and childlike and embracing that inner child. Because I think that that's where we get cold and we get angry and we get annoyed about the bins. Or (laughs) we think her neighbour has got a secret extension or whatever. (laughs) And actually, if we just had more time to do the things that we enjoy that make us forget about you know the stresses then building communities having faith spiritual you know whatever it is that makes you feel aligned with yourself Mm -hmm. like we need more of that and if ai can give us more time to do that Mm -hmm. and force the governments to go oh no one's got jobs anymore how do we cope with that then i can only see that as a good thing yeah and like working your whole life to have 10 years of retirement if you're lucky my dad never got to retire he died when he was 63 you know like you know what the fuck are we doing it's crazy (laughs) it's crazy that's a nice way to think of it yeah um sorry i can't even remember what you asked no i love that i feel that was hopeful for everyone hopefully i'm fucking terrified i've got a good quote so rebecca sona in her book hope in the dark if you've not read it i would really recommend reading Mm -hmm. it but she says, hope is not a lottery ticket that you sit on the sofa and clutch feeling lucky. It's the axe that you battle down doors with. Wow. Yeah, it's so nice, eh? Yeah. It's like you've got to do something to be hopeful yeah, as well. Yeah. You can't just sit and be hopeful. You've got to, like, implement it into your life. Participate in it as well, yeah. I guess. Thinking about yourself less. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, a 
moment you found some shit out about yourself? Uh, this year has been a big year finding shit about myself. Like, just really needing to make those healthy decisions for myself and to trust those healthy decisions yeah. are for the good of the real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Shittest piece of advice you received? Shittest piece of advice. Do you know the shittest piece of advice I've ever received is also the best Go advice on. that I've ever received? So I was doing hopeless down in, at the Brighton Fringe and uh-huh. I, I had a really small... Um, theatre up here I had it I think it was like 35 so I'd sold out the whole run which and I was like I mean yeah. I was like I'd been really the underdog and I'd like fucking nailed it yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like buzzing so I was like I'm gonna go to the Brighton Fringe I've got so much time <laughs> okay, I went down <laughs> and there was like no one there and nobody oh knew who I was um, but my friend Maddie was there and you know she just said to me she's like you just need to lower your expectations and I was like she's like if you lower your expectations you'll always be happy and I was like, oh my God. Wow. And then she was like, if there's one person there, that's great. Yeah. And I was like, you're so right. Yeah. So ever since then, I've just tried never to have any expectations. That's really nice. And every time I've had expectations... You've been disappointed. I can be, yeah. yeah. Kind of like what you were saying at the beginning about like being at the fringe and every, yeah. everyone's wanting more constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, you go and you compare and these people have a bigger audience or yeah. they have a better review. Or... Do I not want... Like, what does it mean not to want... Like yeah. what? Do, like I think it's good to like you know desire something or to have dreams or to like goals, but like want is such yeah. an interesting word. Like how can you resist that? How can you say like I want to like do this thing because I want to do this thing? I don't yeah. want to do this thing because it gives me this product. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like how do you embrace the process and accept whatever product yeah. you get? You know, like there's a saying. Um, I did the Prague Fringe with Hopeless as well uh-huh. and somebody said when uh, I was there, it's like the Greek used to say um, if there's no one there do it for the stars and my venue so nice. yeah, and my venue had all these stars oh painted on the roof so the whole idea is like you, why do you make the art? Because yeah. you fucking love the art, you yeah. love it You like it's the thing that you love yeah. and it's like just because there's two people in the audience like it's for them it's for them like I did Connect Festival last year it was my first festival it was my first gig for a while I hadn't done one in ages because I'd been away writing my book Uh and it was like a big it was like a headline set and I was so excited and I got there and there was fucking no one there it was like a couple of friends there was two guys coming up there from pills in the background and then like some random people came in and out and Errol Alkin was playing right next to me which was so loud oh and God. I was on for like half an hour and I was like it was just like half an hour of hell oh and I was just like honestly like just wanted to get off the stage the whole time and then somebody messaged me being like that was the highlight of my festival and I was like are you fucking oh were God. we in the same room yeah yeah and then I, and then since then I think because I've been on tour and stuff since then and you know like I had a gig in Leeds where the only people there were the staff and a couple of like other supporters and like some people I taught. I think there was like seven of us in the room. But I had the best set and I had the best time. Like and then I did a three hundred seater like the two days later and I didn't have such quite a good set. And you're just like, just enjoy it all and just never have expectations and just like do it for the fun of doing it. You know. Remember why you started doing it in the first place anyway. 
it's just yeah. silly like the whole yeah. life is so <laughs> silly like like what what makes it more valuable doing it to doing your art to 500 people yeah. than doing it for the stars both ego, are baby. silly yeah. yeah and like ego is ego is fine as long as you recognize it as a separate part from yourself yeah. you know same as your emotions you just witness your ego be like oh that's funny my ego is doing a little yeah. dance for these people at this party why does <laughs> why does it feel the need to do that <laughs> you know but it's not yeah. you it's not doesn't drive you it doesn't yeah. own you yeah i love that yeah. shit you wish you'd known sooner lower your expectations <laughs> lower your expectations sit down at your laptop and write yeah um i wish i'd known about your emotions like yeah, you don't yeah. have to feel them and yeah finding pockets of joy like mm. how do you find pockets of joy and also to know that you've always got a choice I think for a long time I felt like I didn't have a choice, like I was a victim to my circumstance. And actually to know that you always have a choice, yeah. even if it feels like you don't, you have a choice on how to react to whatever's mm-hmm. happening. What, my friend said something to me when I, when I was kind of in one of those situations and she was like, you are an agent in your own happiness. Mm. And I just thought that was so like, powerful, basically saying like, you can't change your circumstances. Yeah. If you're miserable in this, you can do something about it and you can make a decision to change it. You're the queen and of your realm. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and it's scary, but fuck, it's good. But change it's so can be good. Yeah. yeah. And it sets about so many other things as yeah. well, doesn't it? Have you ever read Man's Search for Meaning? No. Um, it's a book about this, um, this philosopher, psychologist, I can't remember, and I don't know if he's in Auschwitz, I can't remember, it's long since I read it, but just like, you know, he had the worst time, the yeah. concentration camp, and he just writes this book about how he found meaning in his life and how he was able to like constantly regain power, even in this situation oh that was like so yeah. powerless and also people that were so cruel and take, like, you know, taking so much away from him and making such inhumane circumstances but he talks about how his mind was the thing that allowed him to take that control and I was like how can he can do it in those circumstances we can do it in our poncy wee (laughs) fringe world do you know what I mean put the journal down babe yeah like Um, come on it's not that big a deal you'll be fine so I asked you to think of a shit shot which yeah. is a photo on Instagram or like a press photo that to the outside eye looks like you have your shit together, but at the actual time you didn't. Okay, right. Um, <laughs> so it's like a picture of me on a walk. I'm like walking and my foot is like out and I'm like, I have these orange wellies on and I have loads of wild flowers in my hand. I've got this like big smile on uh-huh. my face. But like behind my eyes, I'm like, definitely falling apart like I can tell in it yeah I just think Covid was like a really tough time for me like my partner at the time was working in a hospital Covid ward so I really couldn't see anyone so I was by myself all day and I pretty much lost my mind like I was not well at all and I think that that really put a toll on our relationship and just everything like I just I I realised that I need human contact oh my god yeah, yeah, I think COVID did that for everyone, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, totally. But I think I didn't actually realise how badly it affected me until this year. Really? Yeah, I just felt... Like, I knew it had been bad. Yeah. But I kind of didn't realise that I was still recovering from it, maybe. Yeah. Like, I still hadn't quite got my sparkle back, if that yeah. makes sense. I think I think 
I know so many people who have had a similar feeling and I think mm. COVID was this like shared trauma for everyone. Yeah. That, you know, every day we were living with this and especially if you had someone working in healthcare and stuff like mm. that with this anxiety of not knowing, not knowing whether they were going to be okay but also like literally... Catching it off them, spreading it away. Literally yeah. and like everything, every single decision we made felt so like life or death quite mm. literally. And the things that would normally give us structure in, in anxious times was taken away from us. Yeah. And if you were planning something, then it could get cancelled. And it just there was nothing tangible to hold on to within that time. Yeah. And I think still now, I know so many friends whose confidence has still been knocked from it. Totally. And their sense of self. And I think it was just a mad time that we're all still definitely I think we're recovering all, from. Yeah, I think we're all still reeling from it. And it was years that was stolen I from know. us. Yeah. Yeah. And it made, you know... I don't know, it just makes me wonder, there's probably no point, but it does make me wonder what, how could have things been different, yeah. you know, what would my life look like without it now, but I suppose again, it's going back to that, you've got to believe that it's all for a reason, yeah. you've got to believe that it took you out of something that you needed to be taken out yeah. of, it's got, it's, surely it was for the good of the realm yeah. in some way. <laughs> There's a quote from a book that I can't remember. It was a fiction book. And I didn't actually read the entire book, but I remember really liking this quote. Yeah. And it was, um, you're a fool if you think that your life could have had a different path. Yeah. And I think lovely. there was something so beautiful in that because it's like, you know, so often we're like, God, if I'd have done this, if I'd have done this, and actually just accepting that it happened and yeah. you can't go back and change anything. Like, you can. And I think that that's the thing, like, and I think that's the thing that I learned this year because... My whole life, I've lived a very free life. Like mm. I've, you know, I've always been able to do what I wanted to do. Like, yeah. and and that has been such a privilege. And then mm. this year, with a sick parent, I everything has changed. You know, yeah. like I just am not able to do everything that I want to do. Mm. I'm like, you know, trapped in a way. And and responsibilities came knocking on the door, and yeah. like all of this. And it's like sometimes you can you can plan your life away you can manifest your life away you can have all these dreams you know your new year's resolutions mm-hmm. but actually sometimes just life happens at you and again what you have control of is how you deal with it and how you respond to it and how you find the pockets of joy and how you find resilience and you've got to make those healthy choices yeah. for yourself and that is what having your shit together really means is that you are present and alive in your choices and that is all that we can hope for everything else is just nonsense it's a script that somebody decided one day I always think of like having your shit together for me as like having resilience Mm. and like because exactly what you're saying like you can't control everything you're never going to be happy all the time but if you if you can feel resilient enough to like not be taken under by it all yeah. then that for me is like when I feel like I'm kind of in control of things yeah yeah, yeah. and in those moments of overwhelm mm-hmm. how do you because they're always going to come right there's going to be moments that you feel so overwhelmed that yes. you'll never get to the bottom of it how do you go okay well what do I know helps me in these yeah. moments what like do I and, need? and rather than having a meltdown and going and locking myself in the toilet and scrolling on reels for half an hour <laughs> <it's> like <laughs> the bottle of wine in hand <laughs> yeah, like, what is the or going to shag someone or shagging yeah. or whatever it is like what is the thing that you do that's the healthy choice yeah, yeah. yeah I love that I hate the word healthy because it's like yeah. got so many connotations what's the fun choice mm-hmm. what's the, the the sovereign choice I like the most caring yes yeah yeah really. Yeah. yeah. So, Layla. Yeah. 
Have you got your shit together? Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Let's embrace it. Yeah, we've yeah. got our shit together. Yeah. The system is fucking failing. Uh-huh. And we're here. And we're here we're at Summer Hall, loving life, mm-hmm. making art. What a miracle. Oh my God, yeah. What That's a miracle. Cool. Life is good. Thank you so no, much. No, thank you. For coming on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. so much for listening to this episode of the podcast this podcast is produced by ant hickman the artwork is produced by tim saunders and the photography is by patch bell a massive thank you to cassia for letting us use their song slow see you on the next episode of have you got your shit together now and then i'm just a little bit low i always try to lose my mind in a conversation with you 